And I think our culture really focuses on the fear factor around everything. And quite frankly, all of the people who are using money in a corrupt way, it, it greatly benefits them to make all the good people of the world feel like ashamed and bad about making money because then the bad guys still have all the power. So it's like you can do a hell of a lot more good if you've got a lot of money. So if you feel like money is corrupting the world, get yourself some so that you can turn that around. This is Women Killing It. Each week, women who are killing it in their careers share their stories and advice for making it in today's working world. Your host is Sally Hubbard. Before we get to our interview today, let's check in with Coach Rachel. Hi, I'm Rachel Garrett. I am a career and leadership coach helping women reinvent their careers after the priority shifting and mind-blowing milestone of becoming a mom. Rachel, I talk a lot on this podcast, and my guests do as well, about the importance of networking. But there's a lot of resistance among women to network. What's some advice that you have for how to network if you think that you actually hate networking? Yeah, so most of my clients hate networking, it appears. Um, And I hear this all the time, and they have some of the best excuses that I've ever heard. You know, maybe I'm better with dogs than I am with people, or I just freaking hate it. So what we do is we reframe it, first of all. It's not networking. It's connecting with other people. It's meeting other people. And you do that in your daily life all the time. Um, And so by thinking about it this way, you're really just um, meeting someone new, finding someone interesting, asking them questions. And, you know, you don't think about, you don't need to think about it for a future purpose of yours. Yeah, I think one reason why women often are so turned off by networking is they feel that it's using people, that you're like pretending to be friends, but really you're using them to get something out of them. Right. How would you suggest reframing that idea? I think, you know, it's it can be more about them. You know, what if you're here to help them? And so there's asking a lot of questions, there's learning about someone else, there's thinking about ways that you can help someone else. And, you know, it can be a two-way street. You know, you might stumble upon something that they can help you with as well. But um, I also think there's making it a game. Um, And so just thinking about it as, you know, I'm going to talk to three people and that's it. I'm not going to talk to more than that. And that really changed it for me. I, I thought networking was something that you had to do where you had to talk to everyone in the room and pass out, you know, several hundred cards. And if you weren't doing that, you were failing. Well, you know, I changed it up and said, let me talk to three people and see what I can find out about those people. And that was a huge relief. I can talk to three people, you know, maybe the first time you even talk to one and that's your goal. Um, so it's really changing it up uh, and some, to something that is comfortable for you. I also think it's an amazing career strategy to just try to help people because I know people who have helped me when they come around needing something from me. Right. I always happily give it, you know. And you know what the secret is? That people enjoy it. People want to help you. And it's by, it's knowing how you feel when you've helped someone and knowing that that's how they're going to feel as well. Thanks, Rachel. To learn more about Rachel, go to rachelbgarrett.com. That's G-A-R-R-E-T-T. Today, I'm talking to Jen Sincero, and I am beyond excited. Jen is a number one New York Times bestselling author, a success coach, and a motivational speaker. 
She's the author of one of my favorite books of all time, You Are a Badass, How to Stop Doubting Your Greatness and Start Living an Awesome Life. Her new book, You Are a Badass at Making Money, Master the Mindset of Wealth, is coming out on April 18. Jen, congratulations. You are killing it. Thank you so much. It's very exciting. So I love your new book. I love how it focuses on money. Because I think, you know, this podcast is all about helping women overcome their obstacles to career success. And we know that women are making much less money than they deserve to be making, right? So your book, your new book is exactly what my listeners need to read to get in the right mindset of wealth. I wanted to start off talking to you about is this issue that you write about a bit about hangups, these money hangups that we have that actually hold us back from making money. Yeah, I mean, everybody's got them. Well, not everybody, but everybody who doesn't have money has got them. (laughs) And I think women have them a little bit more than men because we're not raised to be the breadwinners and the success-oriented. You know, we're raised to be more feminine and not make waves, and it's not ladylike to be aggressive. So while everybody, you know, while everybody's got their fair share of stuff, I think that women have to particularly hunker down and stop buying into beliefs like the ones I just said, as well as, you know, money is hard to make or the economy sucks or I don't know what I'm doing. You know, there's no end to the limiting beliefs that are floating around out there that are stopping people from making money. Yeah. And these limiting beliefs are something that I've really been trying to drill down on to kind of figure out what is it that's really holding us back as women. Of course, we know there's discrimination. We know about those types of things. But what is it that we can do to really kill it in our careers? And a lot of it are self-limiting beliefs. So self-limiting beliefs about money is a different perspective that we haven't talked about yet. And I have to say, when I first read, started reading your book, I said, oh, I don't, I don't have hangups about money. I, I want money. I always wanted money, you know. And then I started to really think about it, and I had a ton of them, a ton of them. One of them that I think is very common among women is if I make a lot of money, they're going to expect me to work really long hours, and therefore I won't be able to have a balanced life and be around for my children, my family. Mm-hmm. What do you think about that? How do we get over that? Well, you decide that that's not going to be your reality. You know, it's like any other belief. You know, you when you take something as the truth, you kind of don't really question it, right? Like that, where did that come from? You know, you see it around you, your parents tell you this is the way it is, society tells you this is the way it is. But then when you start questioning that, be like, well, are there women who are killing it and making ass loads of cash who also get to spend time with their children? Does that exist on planet earth? And then when you start focusing on the women who are doing what you desire to do, it trains your focus on finding those examples as well as the same opportunities that will help you create that kind of life as opposed to focusing on the quote unquote truth of the other belief that, you know, you'll never have fun again. You're going to be working yourself to the bone. You'll never see your children. Whatever you focus on, you create more of. And whatever you focus on, you also find proof to make that truth your reality. So that's why shifting your focus is so powerful because when you decide to believe in something else, something that you have not only never proven to yourself, but you've, that you've actually proven is wrong, you know what I mean? So let's say in your life, you've proven that you have to work your ass off and you never see your kids and that's reality. 
When you have the audacity to believe in something else that you haven't even seen proof of, you allow yourself to find that proof. Yeah, I think that's such an important concept. And and related to that, you talk about this kind of the challenges in doing that, the challenges in finding a new belief is that our subconscious is so, the, the familiarity is something that gives us comfort and our subconscious kind of latches onto it, mm-hmm. doesn't want to let it go. It gives us this false security. How do we overcome that? I mean, is this kind of this subconscious? <laughs> I mean, I know you have lots of tips in your book. Mm-hmm. but It's a powerful force. And and again, it's the, the key to all of it is awareness and waking up to what you have previously been on autopilot about. So a lot of times we don't even realize that we've got huge judgments around money, like what you said, how you're like, I love money. I want to make more money. But once you started investigating it for real, you're like, oh my God, I'm a total freak show when it comes to money. So it's really about waking up to your judgments that you've got, to your fears about what will happen if you become super rich, to your fears about your ability to become super rich. Like taking the time and doing the work to notice what you've got going on is the very first step. Then you start questioning them like I like we just talked about. But then I got to be honest, like I am a much – one of my favorite things to do is to just take – gigantic, scary action anyway. So let's say that you've got this fear that, you know, if you get rich and successful, you'll never see your kids. Taking huge action in the face of that fear with the decision that that's not going to be your truth, but it's just your fear and creating your own business or whatever it is you're going to do. Taking the action will force you to just bulldoze over those beliefs, no matter what they are. You know what I mean? Because you can sit around all day and journal and question these beliefs and do all the work. And I think a lot of people get trapped in that um, self-help loop where you're doing all the quote unquote work, but you're not actually taking any action. And they're both just as important. So do the work, question them. But honestly, the shortcut is just to fly in the face of your fear and do it anyway and just create whatever it is that you desire to create. I have to say that's been such a common thread on this podcast. I've Mm. now talked to over 50 women who are killing it. And one of the most common things that people say they're proud of is that they had the courage to take the leap to start it. Mm-hmm. Even after they achieve great things, they're like, the thing that I'm most proud of is that I had the courage to start and to do it. Mm-hmm. So I think we've found time and time again the big leap is what gets to the success, the big success. And you don't really get big success unless you take the big leaps, right? Absolutely. And, and you know, the big leaps um, are not comfortable because <laughs> you've done everything, everything you've done so far has gotten you where you are right now. And that is familiar and comfortable. So um, when you get an idea or an opportunity that seems completely ridiculous, completely quote unquote irresponsible, like spending lots of money on hiring a coach or quitting your job and starting your own business or asking for a gigantic raise or doubling your rates, like when you make the decision to become rich, that decision allows you to consider all of these opportunities that you would normally just be like, no way, next, you know, that you wouldn't even spend two seconds looking at. And once you start considering them, that's when you realize it's time to take that leap. And I think part of making that decision to be rich, you talk about as investing in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think that's another thing that women particularly have a hard time with because we're so focused on everyone else's wants and needs Mm -hmm. and not our own. And this thing that's been driving me insane and I've been trying to figure out every episode is what is it that makes us value ourselves not as much as we should, you know? So if we're not valuing ourselves, we're not going to think we're worth investing in ourselves, right? Yeah. But the investment part 
I mean, the this is from your other, your first book, uh, You're a Badass, when you talked about、um, buying the Audi. Uh huh. That really, that story really stuck with me. <laughs> yeah. It was huge. It was terrifying. But then at that point, you said, okay, I am now living life on a different level and I need to, and I'm gonna, I'm investing in myself and I'm investing in my future because I have decided that I am going to be someone who can afford an Audi. Yes, exactly. <laughs> and, you know, I'm just gonna go ahead and say that I believe that the reason we don't, that women feel less than is just because that's, we are in a patriarchal society and it's very dangerous to the patriarchy if we are empowered. So I won't go into、yeah. it in depth and tell you、oh, how I feel about、me. that one. <laughs> oh, I'm right there with you. That's the whole, <laughs> a whole different show right now. This,、uh, the, the point of this podcast is to cause more fear to the patriarchy. Yes,、now. yes, totally. <laughs> <laughs> But no, the point, the point also is okay, there's patriarchy, and、um, you know, I'm, in, I'm 40 years old, and I'm、oh, not thinking the patriarchy is going to be completely gone in time for my career. So, what I've been focusing on, and even the people, young women who are starting their careers now, is Let's just not leave any power on the table, right? There's people that are trying to take power away from us, but we're also leaving power on the table. Absolutely. And we also need to not leave money on the table. That's、Hello. why I love your new book. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And they're one and the same. I'm so, like, you can have all the judgments you want around money and about focusing on making money and all that stuff. But if you're going to live on planet Earth as a human being, you need money. You need money. And so, That's why I spent a whole chapter of the book talking about allowance because I think it's so important that this permission piece to get rich, like you can study all you want about finances and investing and how to make money. But if you haven't given yourself the permission, and especially as women, because we aren't encouraged to, to give ourselves permission, you won't let yourself do it. So you can have all the smarts you want, but if you haven't deep down really been like, you know what, it's okay. Not only is it okay, it's my birthright to make money.、Um, It's just a really important mental shift to get on board with. I really love the mental shift that you write about thinking about all the positive things you could do with the money. Because I realized that one of my own hangups was thinking that if I got a lot of money, I would lose sight of what was important and I would start living in kind of this superficial world. Where, you know, I, I mean, a, a couple trips to the Hamptons and I see that every woman has plastic surgery and I think, oh, I don't want to be like them.、Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know,、um, The idea, though, of focusing on what would I really do with the money? I would not spend it on plastic surgery. I would spend it on causes that I'm passionate about, you know, and, and focusing on actually the good that you would do with the money instead of thinking, you know, to kind of overcome, at least for me, some of my hang ups about how money is like a corrupting influence. <laughs> and I think our culture really focuses on the fear factor around everything. And quite frankly, All of the people who are using money in a corrupt way, it, it greatly benefits them to make all the good people of the world feel like ashamed and bad about making money because then the bad guys still have all the power. So it's like, you know, you're, you can do a hell of a lot more good if you've got a lot of money. So if you feel like money cor- is corrupting the world, get yourself some so that you can turn that around. Oh, yeah, that's so true. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about that you focus on both, in both of your books is the idea of not listening to what other people think you should be doing with your life.、Mm-hmm. That is something that I found. I've, you know, there are certain themes that keep coming up with all these women that I've interviewed is that when they stopped listening to what other people wanted them to be doing and they got off a track that they had kind of been autopiloted on, either by family or other 
influences and really connected with their own self and what they really enjoyed and what they were passionate about and took that leap, that is the point at which they experienced extreme success. Mm-hmm. Why do we listen to what everybody else wants us to be doing? I think it's a really primal instinct. Um, you know, it, it's, a, it's a lot to do with the subconscious again. So the thing with the subconscious mind is it is protecting us as children, right? So you're just trying to survive. You haven't developed an analytical side of your brain yet. You're just taking things in at face value and clinging to them because really out of survival, out of a base survival, like you believe what your parents tell you because you need your parents to approve of you and love you. And, um, you know, you, you do what you do to get by. But then when you become an adult, if you're still following those rules and if those rules don't fit who you are as an adult, that's where we get into so much trouble. So when it comes to doing what everybody thinks you should do, that's a very um, childlike subconscious primal instinct because, if you don't do what you're told and if you don't have people love and approve of you, you get booted from the, the tribe. And as a baby, if you are booted from the tribe, you die. <laughs> you know, like you literally <laughs> can't survive. So we're acting from that. I really believe that like the fear of abandonment is so intense and so deeply rooted in us that that's where that comes from. But as an adult, we're okay if we change who we're being and if we do what's in our hearts and if it disappoints the people who love us and are closest to us, you know, we're fine. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It may change those relationships. Yes. It may end those relationships, but you'll be flourishing as the person you're meant to be. And that will attract all the new people that you're meant to be with. And it may, you know, open the eyes of the old people who are judging it at first. Like you don't know what's happening, but you can't squelch who you are in this world to please the people around you. It's That's not living. You talk a lot in your books about your own life story. And I love your books because I'm a self-help junkie. But your books just, they're so entertaining. First of all, you're a hysterical writer. So I'm laughing as I'm reading it. And then I'm learning about your personal story. And it's just, it's so much easier to read and to kind of internalize than most kind of, you know, success books that are out there, which I think is, you know. Thank you. One reason why you've sold over, what is it? I mean, I know there's over a million copies in print. It's been on the, it was on the bestseller list for over a year. Is that right? It's still on the sucker. It's It's still on the bestseller (laughs) list? it's incredible. Wow. So what was your turning point? Because I know you write in your books about how this wasn't how, this huge success was not always your story. You know, it wasn't really like a thunderbolt, you know, I narrowly risked getting killed or, you know, I didn't have this giant awakening. And I, and I think that that's sort of a mistake that people are always looking for that in their lives or that they bottom out completely before they get their act together. It really doesn't need to be that. I just, you know, and For anybody listening, like I was living in a converted garage when I was in my 40s. So it took me a long time to just make the decision to not be that person anymore. So for me, I just, it's like any moment where you, you get it and you just, it's like quitting smoking or, you know, whatever it is you, it's really a decision. I just made a decision. I was so sick of feeling like I was wasting my life by playing so small and so scared and so beneath what I knew in my heart I was able to do. And so it really was, I just made the decision to be different. And that's when, once I made that decision, like lo and behold, when the student is ready, the teacher appears. So that's when I met my first coach and, you know, I was reading all the self-help books and going to the seminars. And I met this woman who 
specialized in helping other women with their finances and she was not cheap. And I paid her a quarter of my annual income to coach me privately, which was easily the most terrifying thing I've ever done. Put it on a credit card. Um, but that's what that decision led me to. You know what I mean? In the old days, if I hadn't made that decision, I would have been, oh yeah, as if I'm going to pay you that. I don't have that money. I'm broke. But because I'd made the decision, I went from I'm broke to I'm going to find that money. That's really inspiring. I also really love coaches and working with coaches. And um, I had an amazing coach named Jill Richberg who actually taught me manifestation. And so I had was already familiar with those ideas of what you wanted to be, do, or have before I read your first book. And that's a big part of it, right, is the, the law of attraction and being really um, focused on what it is that you want to bring into your life. But I have to say, when I first started working with her, I was really skeptical of this whole idea that you can kind of, you know, tap into the universe and bring good things to you that that you're seeking. And, you know, I'm not a religious person. I never, I wasn't raised believing in anything more than what we can see. And uh, I have to say, the method worked so well for me that I brought about this whole spiritual side of me that I had never had in my life. So now you also have a very spiritual side in, in both of the both of the badass books. Was that something that was always there for you or was that something that was part of this awakening? Oh yeah, I was as skeptical as they come. I just thought that was just a bunch of, you know, hoo-ha and just had took great joy in making fun of all of it. <laughs> but it's the same thing. It's like then I got to that point where I was like, I would try anything. I was ready to just, I was so sick of needing to be right and needing to be skeptical and, you know, whatever. I was just like, I don't care if I, I don't care what I have to do, like bring it on. So I was open to new concepts and just like you, like started working with them even before I really believed them. And that's, that's really such a big part. That's where faith comes in. It's like, just have faith that it might work. And lo and behold, it did for me too. So, um, you know, and another way to look at it is, it's sort of, it really is so much about what you pull into your attention. This whole law of attraction thing, it's all here already. Everything you need to become the person you need to become is already here. And when you attract it into your, you know, and when you manifest it and attract it, it's like, it, it really is about your perception changing. It's sort of like when you're looking for a house to rent, you know, when you're not looking for a house to rent, you don't notice any for rent signs anywhere. But when suddenly you start looking for a house to rent, for rent signs are all over the place. You start pulling them into your consciousness. So that's a lot what this is like. It's like, it just sort of like more all of a sudden the world looks different because you made a decision to change your perception. Yeah, I, I keep explaining that to friends of mine who are skeptical and they think I'm crazy talking about these things, mm -hmm. that it could just be a non-spiritual interpretation. Could just be, well, you've really gotten clear on what your intentions are and what you want and what you need. And therefore, when those opportunities arise, you're very able to see them for the first time. Whereas before, if you weren't really clear on what you wanted and needed, you wouldn't even see those opportunities. So that's a very kind of non-spiritual way mm -hmm. to look at it. I will say there's been weird things, though. I've got to tell you a spiritual story about when I was reading your first book or your— no, your, I know that wasn't your first book. When you know, I was reading your first badass book, mm -hmm. I was reading it on a family vacation, and I was so engrossed in it that at some point I said, oh, I wonder if I should pay more attention to my kids and my husband and stop reading this book the whole vacation. 
So I put it out on the deck and went inside. Literally an hour later, there was a rainstorm that destroyed the book. Um. (laughs) (laughs) That's hilarious. So I I liked your book so much that I bought it a second time, even though I was almost (laughs) finished reading it. Because I knew it was one of those books that I was going to want to go back and reread and reference and use it as a guide. So I purchased it. for. So I liked it so much that I bought it twice. Awesome. (laughs) (laughs) I've got a million stories like that. You know, there's the for rent sign version and there's that version. Like I have had people, clients come in out of the clear blue sky who are exactly what I was looking for. Um, I've had opportunities just land in my lap. You know, I'm, I've had people that I was thinking I need to contact who can further my career or help me in some way. And they show up before I can even contact them. Like it happens. And that, that's the great oogly boogly, right? That's where I feel like the universe is like, Oh, cool. Okay. So you're serious. You've done some scary stuff. You have faith. You're being grateful. Here it is. And, uh, I, I know almost everybody listening to this has had some sort of hair raising, holy crap coincidence like that. Right. It, mm-hmm. it, yeah. And so I totally know that there's a bigger force out there at work because I mean, look at nature. If we spent any time considering the freaking miracle that we are walking around in, of course there's something else going on. You know what I mean? I mean, I think it's such a no brainer personally, but, um, yeah, but just in my own life, the, the miracles and the, the things that have come to me when I've asked for them, you know, even just ideas, intuitive hits, stuff like that. Another thing that I wanted to talk to you about is the idea of not knowing what you want to do. I think there's a lot of women that are listening to this podcast who think, you know, I'm stuck in my job. I don't really love it, but I just don't know what else I would do. I just don't know what I want to do. Mm-hmm. And that's why, you know, I, I have a seven steps seven-step action plan to killing it where I help women try to figure out what it is that they want by getting in touch with their inner self that we lose lose touch with. Mm-hmm. But there was a line in your in your in the your badass at making money book that I just loved so much that said, make sure you're not pretending you don't know what you want to do when you actually do know, but you're scared. Mm. Such and a I convenient just love back that. door out. Uh-huh. <laughs> so true. I just love that, you know, that we think there's things we'd like to do, but we, and part of that fear may be, I don't think I can make money doing it. That's right? the biggest one. Totally. Mm-hmm. That is definitely the biggest one. And that feels very legitimate. I mean, especially at my stage of life where I'm middle-aged, I have kids and a mortgage and all this stuff. And I think, well, I can't make money doing that. I mean, I think that's a big, that's a big thing that holds people back. Yeah. And look at how many people are making money doing that. No matter what your little sob story is about your thing that you can't do that you love to do, there is somebody out there killing it who is making money doing that. Yeah. I mean, my son loves this guy who who makes money playing video games on YouTube. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Come on. If that guy can do that, you can do anything you want. (laughs) So one question that I ask every guest on this show is what is something that you know now that you wish you would have known sooner when you started your career? And I'm sure that's you've got two books written about this topic, but is there one thing that stands out for you that you know now that you wish you would have known sooner? Oh, gosh. To trust that I'll figure it out. To not feel like I need to have all the answers up front that 
um, just taking the action that I was taking was going to reveal the answers because I'm a huge perfectionist. And I spent way too much time being uptight about, well, this isn't exactly perfect or I don't know if I should do this because it's not 100% in line with what I want to do, even though I don't really think I know what the hell that might be. You know, just sort of the the worry, if I could have leaned back and just had a little bit more fun and trusted that the answers would totally come to me just by getting in the game. Um, I'd probably have a few less gray hairs, but, you know, it worked out pretty good. But, you know, just, just to have more fun and more faith. More fun and more faith. I love that. Mm. I struggle with the perfectionism so much myself. Mm. I'm really trying to let it go. And I have a daughter who already has it in her. <laughs> and I'm, try, I'm trying so hard to not yeah. to, to shake it out of her. And I don't know if that's a woman thing. It seems to be more common among women, and I don't know why. I think that we're held under a much bigger microscope. Yes. You know, we are judged much more harshly, and we're not allowed the margin of fault that men are. It's just, it's just you know, we, we, we get hit harder. So Yes. But that's no excuse not to get in there and fall flat on your face and get back up and do what you need to do. Yes, that's very true. I had my guest from uh, just a couple of weeks ago saying that, you know, she worked in Silicon Valley and she felt that she just had to prove herself over mm-hmm. and over and over again. Mm-hmm. And I think there's this kind of burden of having to be more prepared that is just so exhausting for women. Like if you could just be that guy who just shows up in the meeting and just spouts out what you think is right, you haven't really researched it, but everybody thinks you say it so confidently that everybody just is like, okay, that guy knows what he's talking about. And then you're the there's the woman in the same meeting who has researched it hundred times, knows it up and down and backward, and she presents it and people don't listen to her or credit yeah. her. <laughs> yeah. So where does that perfectionism come from? But it's exhausting and it holds us back to have to prepare for the same mm-hmm. event ten times. You know, that's burnout, that's that's exhaustion, and it's we gotta change that. Yep. And it's just by, you know, obviously doing the best you can. And I also wonder how much of our own our own misogyny is involved in that as well. I'm not believable. I'm not good enough. I'm yeah. less than. You know, that really I feel is where we need to start the work. You can't change other how other people think, but you got to start with yourself. So I feel like once women get more empowered and more confident and you know, just not taking it from anybody, just like, yeah, I screwed up. I'm human. Screw you. Whatever. You know, instead of making a huge drama about it and feeling like the world is going to come crashing down around them. Once we change that and, you know, and it's a misogynist culture. So, and so a lot of us have it and it's mm-hmm. fine. We just need to turn it around. That's all. We can totally do that. I mean, I think we probably all have it to some degree because totally. I was raised a feminist, like literally had a Ms. onesie when I was an infant. So, <laughs> I mean, raised a feminist mm-hmm. and only recently when I was really just thinking about internalized misogyny. Um, and I'm like, I don't have any of that. Same thing as I don't have any money hang-ups. I don't right, have any right, internalized misogyny. Right. And then I started really probing. I'm like, why is it that I don't expect myself to achieve more? Why is that? We've you all know? got it. We've been raised. You know, it's sneaky stuff. And it's weird because I was this, you know, high-achieving kid in school. But it's kind of like we all see girls doing well in school. So that's you know, something that our subconscious can believe is true, right? (laughs) Mm -hmm. But the working world is a different story in terms of the leadership that's out there and the CEOs and, you know, uh, you just don't, you know, what you don't see, you don't believe, and what you don't believe, you can't make happen, right? 
So that's why I just think your books are so important for women in particular. I know they're not geared toward women, but I think for women to read, to start really expanding what they believe to be actually possible for themselves. Mm-hmm. And starting with making money, we've got to make more money or we're never going to have equal power. Absolutely. You can't have equal power without equal money. Absolutely. Well, Jen, it has been such a pleasure. I'm so, I was so excited to talk to you. I've loved your book so much. I can't wait to see what's more to come in the future. Thank and- you. Me neither. <laughs> <laughs> Whatever that is. I mean, you're on fire, right? I mean, how, how does it feel? Um, like an out-of-body experience. It's really, I, I can't, I mean, oh my gosh, it's a dream. It's amazing. I, am I really, I, you know, it's, it's exactly what every writer hopes for, but I mean, it's beyond, oh, I just, I can't even, it's amazing. <laughs> Seriously, I'm just like, what? No, it's great. I'm so, so, so excited. And man, what an honor to be able to share the things that I think are so important. And I am really passionate about women getting it together and having so much louder of a voice in this world. The world needs us so badly right now. I mean, I don't know if you've heard that quote that the Dalai Lama said that the Western woman will save the world. And I really, Mm -hmm. it's really time for a feminine, more nurturing, more intuitive. I love men. Let's not bring, you know, this is not about criminalizing the male side of the species, but uh, we absolutely need to have a much more powerful voice in the world. Amen. Mm -hmm. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you for what you're doing. It's so important. It really is. I'm there with you on that. And and, uh, I'm optimistic. I'm optimistic. I had Sally Sally Krawcheck on this um, show and, and, you know, she has a new book called um, Own It. And she writes about all the reasons why she's optimistic. I mean, it doesn't feel like it politically right now, Mm -hmm. but I have to say, I think it's the last grasps of the patriarchy seeing that they're, <laughs> it's like the, I don't know, it's like they're just holding on to the power in the most terrible way because mm-hmm. it's about to change. Yep. Look out, here we come. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Jen, thank you so much. Uh, again, I really appreciate your time and having you on this show. And I know that my listeners are going to just be so inspired, and especially when they read your new book. You're a badass at making money out on April 18th, and they can pre-order it, right, wherever books are sold. Mm -hmm. And they can also check you out on jensincero.com. Yes. Thank you so much. It was such a pleasure. This is a really, really great show. I'm honored to be on it. Thank you, Jen. Thanks for joining us today. If you enjoyed the show, please subscribe, rate and review, and tell a friend. And go to womenkillingit.com to check out my seven steps to killing it action plan. You can get it for free by signing up for my newsletter. And I share all kinds of tips from the amazing women I've interviewed on this show. I've implemented those tips in my own life and I've taken my career to the next level. And I really want you to do the same.